Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to What? That old queen, a candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So please listen at your own discretion. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, their views are their own and in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on. Now, let your ears be upstanding for the <coughs> old queens. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Bernie. Have you written your novella yet? Uh, my novella? No, not yet. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I haven't even started it. Well, and lockdown is going to be over soon. Is it? Well, if all indications are showing, we get well. We're going to be coming out of it slowly but surely, aren't we? They're going to do a warning on Monday. Not a warning, a announcement. Yeah, so we'll find out what's going to happen then. But yeah, I mean, I think maybe deep, deepest, darkest lockdown is is perhaps going to be over relatively soon, and we might be able to, you know, sit outside in a garden together. That would be nice. Um, but we're going to talk a bit about that in a minute about a predicament that you and I have been in for nearly a year and I'm not talking oh, yeah. about doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but how have you been? What have you been up to? I have been rehearsing my new show, which is called Shakespeare. And if you're listening to this before the 27th of February, then you can book a ticket. It's free from the Shakespeare's Birthplace uh, Trust website. And that explores the queer narratives in Shakespeare and his legend and the life, his life. Um, and I'm doing it in my wardrobe next Saturday night performing. From your own wardrobe? From my very own wardrobe. You yeah. know I've been doing all my voice work in lockdown from my wardrobe. Well, my wardrobe is actually really big. Is it? I've moved a lot of stuff out and that's now in the bedroom but yeah my wardrobe is quite extensive so I can do it I can do a dance routine in there and I can 
almost spin pearls around my neck in there. Can you? So there's, yeah, Can you there's swing a cat? Can't swing a cat. Well, there's not a cat swing well, hardly anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry, I do, I do want to bring that up. <laughs> I've been um, watching a lot of drag race as well, UK and American. I know, it's been brilliant to have both, isn't it? I know, it's a treat. Yeah, I love it. Um, did you Have you seen this week's already? I just watched it now, the UK one. I, I loved it. I thought Bimini was brilliant. Bimini's my favourite. Yeah, totally. She's really she's, shining. She's got everything. She's got, you know, beauty, the, the fashion, the comedy. Yeah. And just a sort of like new queer attitude. Yeah, totally. Love it. Absolutely love it. Who's your favourite in the American one? Can't remember their names now. <laughs> I'm st- still quite early on. There's Rosé, who I saw in a bar when I went to New York on my 50th, who's still yes. there definitely not rosé no well i think rosé's good but she needs to kind of it's all a bit safe and controlled and i think she needs to come out of herself a little bit more well she's not really showing much vulnerability which is what we like yeah exactly simone is doing really well she's brilliant simone's my favorite yeah if i had to choose what about lawrence cheney lawrence cheney uh in the uk one well, I think that he did really badly this week, so I'm not surprised that he left, but it does seem so harsh because he was doing so well. Um, well, he didn't leave. Oh, no, he, didn't <laughs> he didn't go. Yeah, sorry, he didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't... <laughs> but he was on the bottom. A, yeah. I'm on a WhatsApp chat group, and I was watching it whilst they were talking about the result, and I was like... And they were saying... Oh my God, she's gone. I can't believe she's gone. Well, she's going to do really well anyway. She's a star or, what, or something like this. And I was like, oh, they're obviously talking about Lawrence Cheney, but they weren't. No, it was, it was Tia Coffey who, when John, when we had our special dethroned episode, which is on our Patreon account, if anyone could be bothered to give us some money, Tia Coffey was his favourite. Okay. I, th- I think she's funny but could do with a bit more development especially in the runway <laughs> she wasn't very funny <laughs> I can do that. much more than that well of course <laughs> I think we all can <laughs> without even mentioning Eddie Murphy once <laughs> yeah I know I mean I'm obsessed with loose women and Mel B does an advert every every advert break she does an advert that says at this time home should be a safe space <laughs> and i always say it along with her <laughs> well there you go well we will take note of that so you'll be doing mel b and snatch who would you do in snatch game i would like to do Catherine hepburn yes yeah, so i saw you posting about her the other day yeah or, or betty davis oh yeah um, there's so many you could do kenneth yeah. williams yeah Princess Diana. <laughs> Would she be funny? Kylie Minogue. Yeah. I mean, you're a spit for Kylie Minogue, I think. I used to be. Yeah. Well, Even I can't take any photos in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I had a revelation about my life and work because everyone else is sort of bored and trying to get and can't do any work. And yet I've just been working all the way through this lockdown. And I kind of was like thinking, why, why am I doing all this work? And everyone else is sort of scrabbling around to try to do work. Mm. And it suddenly occurred to me that actually the work that I make, the performance work that I make is a lot about looking, looking back to the past. And that's one thing that we have got at this yes. moment. Yeah. We've got an extensive past and I've just been exploring that to my heart's content because we're in this kind of moment of, of stillness and yet, and so I've been really fruitful and so I think the artists that are really struggling are the ones that really are about the moment, the live, you know, the real, the moment of now yeah. or the moment of the future because it's really hard to know what's going on and they, they kind of get stuck. But when I go back into the, the past, like the past, the past feels somehow more certain if that makes sense. Well, it's more solid, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's still there. <laughs> Been there, done that. Um, bought the T-shirt. Well, and some might say that lockdown is a little bit like going into the past in terms of like sex being a bit of a crime at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, so I had, what caught my eye was this um, Guardian article written by Zoe Williams on the 11th of February, just in time for Valentine's Day. With the headline said, we are desperate for human contact, the people breaking lockdown to have sex. So, uh, like I said, it's a bit of a predicament as single people living on their own, as you and I. We've, apart from maybe a month's reprieve, <laughs> we've been stuck. And it's interesting, these figures here. So it's it a, a fun one. It was a fun month, though, wasn't it, Bernie? <laughs> well, yeah, but very quick. <laughs> so for nearly a year, give or take the odd month, that month, uh, the rules introduced to fight the spread of coronavirus meant that in England, sex between single people or established couples who don't cohabit has in effect been either illegal or against regulations or only allowed outdoors for all of the cruising and dogging people <laughs> is that true yes are you allowed to have sex outside well because you can't meet people inside but outside the guidelines is that you that you should stay two meters apart but i don't you, think they can bring that into law and you have to have sex with someone if you meet them outside <laughs> well i do I don't know about you. <laughs> no, you don't have to. But um, I guess it's less illegal than having sex with someone inside. To give you a sense of scale, 40% of people in the UK, which rises to 71% among 16 to 29-year-olds, don't live in a couple. So that's nearly half the population aren't in couples. So one guy describes his single friends as splitting into two camps. I want to ask you which one you are. The ones who put everything on hold and the ones having, in inverted commas, bootleg sex when they're going to do it, but not shout about it. <laughs> Actually, you don't have to tell me which camp you're in. <laughs> why, why, why is it bootleg? Um, because it's against the law. 
because you shouldn't. Is that what bootleg means? I think so. I mean, it's a quote from him. It's not. Uh, it's a quote from someone who was interviewed. It's not. I guess it does mean elite, like against the law. I yeah. just thought it meant. Yeah, I thought it was just purely about recording something off the radio. What? No. <laughs> well, it goes back to it goes back to prohibition, doesn't it? When alcohol was illegal, and people used to, used to be bootleggers, and they would like distill their own alcohol and sell it. Uh, okay, and sell tights. And tights, yeah. In- <laughs> so another woman says she's now in a casual relationship but casual in inverted commas no longer means carefree you still want to make it as safe as possible she says so you're making agreements about how many other people that person is seeing ideally you're only seeing each other it's a constant negotiation and it's exhausting if you've only seen that one person for sex, isn't that like a relationship? That's you not casual, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it's, yeah. It's, well, it's it, casual. It could be casual in the sense that they're not, they're not, they don't feel committed to each other in the sense that we're going to, you know, we have the, com- restri- I was going to say restrictions, not restrictions, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, so it's either enforced monogamy Enforced monogamy, that's exactly what it is, yeah. Or enforced abstinence, because you you either do this monogamous thing or you don't, or you don't I have sex I, at all. I want to bring up Colleen Nolan at this moment. <laughs> Can you? Uh, why do you want to bring her up? Well, because she says on Loose Women that she's she's just got into a new relationship. Mm. How how have you done that then, if nobody's seeing each other? And she's saying it on national TV. Well, well, the thing is, is that you can't... I don't think you can police this, can you? Isn't it like... like it's against human rights to actually have a law which effectively makes having sex illegal. Yeah. And everyone's thinking, well, if Colleen's doing it, I'm going to do I it. I might as well do it. Well... I'm in the mood for then. It, <laughs> She's in the mood for something. <laughs> um, so other people have finished early relationships that started just before lockdown because both wanted to see parents but didn't want to put them at risk and felt guilty and ashamed. In June last year, the idea of bubbles were introduced into England, meaning that a single person could link with another household, but... There's an assumption that support bubbles solve everything, but people living with their parents or in a house share aren't eligible. So if you're single living with other people, mm. you can't bubble with, with a lover. Mm. I find this whole thing really annoying because I've got a lot of people saying, shall we bubble? And I'm just like, I don't really want to bubble with you. Mm. I hope they're not listening to this podcast. Was that was that when I said it the other day? Is that why we're on Zoom now? <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, I, want, I want the bubble with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're only on Zoom because I've got a bad back and I can't lug equipment around. So it's my fault, not yours. Anyway, the laws chopped and changed in different areas, making it legal to see someone and they're not. So maybe... Uh, Colleen Nolan met up before it was illegal and then we had full lockdown again all of which meant that some people started a relationship when it was legal only to find it was suddenly illegal Neil 
not anyone we know, names have been changed, who is primarily a school teacher, met his accountant boyfriend in October and he thinks it's pretty ironic that he teaches 30 kids a day and all the rest and not even be allowed to sit in his partner's garden with a glass of wine with him kneeling kneeling <laughs> neil likes to kneel there was these two gays in bristol called neil and roger do you remember them uh, no I d- well i probably would if i saw them it was such a brilliant name for a couple, Neil and Roger. <laughs> the, did they have a threesome with Dick? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, echoing, we're, com- we're coming to the end of this, like, shortening of this article anyway. It was quite a long article, I have to say. So echoed across everyone, gay, bi, straight, of all ages, is the sense that for the UK government, the nuclear family has been the priority. This anger doesn't come from COVID denial. As per normal. Uh, Well, yeah, I was going to say that. It's like they never think of anybody else outside of a family unit or any kind of alternative family unit. It's crazy. So this anger doesn't come from COVID denial or lack of civic duty, rather a sense that single people have been completely sidelined. But other countries don't do this. So in Belgium, they've invented the concept of, this is spelt with a K, knuffle contact or knuffle contact. Would you you like a bit of knuffle contact? It sounds a bit brutal. (laughs) Well, it mainly means, basically, it's a shagging exemption. So it's like having a cuddle buddy or a fuck buddy or or a sex friend. And hotels over there have been actively advertising to those groups of people so that they meet up in a hotel where it's safe and then go their separate ways again to try and keep the hotel industry going. (laughs) Why is it safer in a hotel? Well, so because they can't go to each other's houses if they're sharing. So it's like a, you know, they're any kind of, well, I guess they're putting everyone at risk, but, you know, nuffle contact. You can have sex with someone. Um, And apparently Italy do the same thing with congenuity. There's a congenuity rule. So um, one guy said that in the UK, despite restrictions, sex is still going on, of course. But talking online to my fuck buddies, there's more feelings and less showing off. The conversation is, isn't this shit? I'm feeling a bit crap, if I'm honest with you. Shall we have a fuck? (laughs) Or shall we have sex? (laughs) Uh, It's difficult to get to know new people because you can't meet them in a pub, a party or a restaurant. I mean, we should ask Colleen Nolan to find out where she met this guy. Maybe she did it in a park. I think she met him on set because she's still working. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So it ends saying, coyness for everyone, but policymakers in particular, has erased the experiences of a huge number of single or non-cohabiting people. Laws have been made as if they don't exist or don't matter. And one woman said, how can I go on living my life in, in such a way as I, so I don't feel forgotten? I mean, I kind of agree with all of that. Is Zoe Williams, I just Googled her, she's almost identically the same age as me. Yeah. Is she a queer woman? I don't know. I wonder where where she's, yeah, what brought her to write that? She's obviously a, a very big advocate. I think, 
I mean, we're getting through it, and hopefully, we're coming out of this. But it's really the father of her son and daughter in 2013, ten years together, and wrote from from a wedding feminist perspective in the in the column in the Guardian. Well, there you go. So she's 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 an advocate and a feminist. So, but yeah, I, I do you feel angry about this? I don't feel angry about it because I feel like there's a, there's bigger things to worry about. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like for me, I feel like I might have a different opinion if I was if I was twenty years younger. Mm. But I feel like in my where I am in my life, I feel like I've partied. I've parted hard and I'm really happy just to have a little pause on that because I feel like things are, there is going to, we are coming out of that tunnel slowly but surely. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah. But I, as I say, I might have a different perspective if I was in a slightly different situation. Yeah. I think I found it really, really difficult at the beginning. But this time round, like lockdown, the three call. I think I've probably found it a little bit easier because I've I've made sure that I'm occupied with other stuff and mm. and so I'm not even thinking about it. But it does feel like oh, I don't know. I think a lot of people I mean there there was a huge part of that article which was about women trying to find partners before um it's too late for them to have babies and and things like that. So biological clocks so they've lost like nearly, you know, 2 years already. So, yeah, I think I've, it has been a difficult time for loads and loads of different reasons. I just, I just do think it's weird that in this country, our government doesn't even think about that kind of stuff. Uh, but in other countries, they do, and they actually make provision for it. Mm. But if it comes to sex, it all gets a bit Victorian over here, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're right in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, shall we have a little break? Because we have a fabulous guest coming on. Yeah. I watched, I watched Mrs. Doubtfire last night in, in preparation. Did you? Did you spot him? Yes. Brilliant. So we've got the fantastic Scott Capuro all the way from San Francisco. Do you think he'll be having a glass of wine at lunchtime? Who knows? We'll see. I was, I was watching him doing a sort of stand-up comedy or sit-down comedy set last night. And uh, he wasn't. Was that at the Leicester Comedy Festival? It was in his house. Uh, yeah, I know, but I think wasn't it part of on the it, Leicester on Instagram Live? Yeah, I think it was part of the Leicester Comedy Festival because he was meant to be on. A- we were meant to be recording last night, but then he told us he was at the Leicester Comedy Festival <laughs> and he couldn't do it. <laughs> but anyway, we can ask him all about that when he comes in to talk to us but for now we'll have a little little bit of a break uh tommy which what what color should i press red blue or pink your choice red i think red okay we'll be back after this Hi, this isn't a sponsorship ad because we don't have any and we don't have any adverts. But you can help us get some by sharing this episode on social media. Then we can get some adverts and some sponsorship and we'll be able to carry on with this queeniest of old queeniest of podcasts. 
Before then, if you can spare some cash, we have a Patreon account. So click on the link below and give us your dosh now. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we're back, and we have a fabulous guest... Scott Capuro. Oh, God, I looked around wondering who that was. How are you? <laughs> Very well. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm in California. It's um, really cold here, so I had to put a jacket over my vest to water the garden in my Speedo this morning. Wow. It's like 18 degrees. We're, we're chilled out of our bones. How's it there? Has it warmed up yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> still got the central it's heating still on. Damp. England damp? Weird. Is it still damp there? It's, <laughs> it's well, it's never not going to be damp in England, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how's, uh, how's the whole COVID thing going? Have you conquered that yet? Because you guys are really fucked up over there. Have you fixed it yet? Um, not yet. No, I think we're working on it. A for effort. <laughs> <laughs> say. I don't think Tommy and I can take responsibility for it. I, I think exactly what I was just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've done your bit. You've done your bit, right? <laughs> well, we've stayed in these four walls for um, nearly a year. So have uh, you really? You haven't gone out much? Seriously? I think there was one. We've been talking about it because the, Tommy and I are both single, and uh, it's illegal to actually have sex with someone who's not in your household as it should be <laughs> yeah, no, right. 
In America, that's Sarah Guar. Yeah, well, you know, it's impossible probably to meet anybody anyway, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, yeah, there was a whole article that we we talked about at the beginning of the show, which uh, which how difficult it is for English people, and like the in Europe, they've made kind of laws to allow people to have sex if they're single where but in the uk obviously we're still victorian so that doesn't even enter into the argument it's lunacy isn't it it's kind of like it's almost as if some people wanted the world to step back and that's why they voted for brexit and they got a double dose with this vaccine with this uh covid thing didn't they because now the world is stepping back whether it wants to or not i mean when I first went to England to study in 84, 85, and I lived in Birmingham, I was a student at the drama department there. And there was, there was no way to meet anyone. There was nowhere to go except London. There's nothing. Really? You know? And it's up, yeah, there's nothing. I mean, there's the, really the, the, probably the, the, the student union is probably the easiest place to meet anybody who's, who's queer, you know, that was it. And it feels like that. Now I feel bad for young people going to university. I mean, it's meant to be social, isn't it? It's yeah. Thing where they meet people. Impossible. Yeah. I was, I was just saying I felt bad for younger people, really. So I feel like I've had that wild time and I can, I feel like able to have a little pause on, mm. on everything until, until I'm allowed to go out again. Mm. I mean, here in, in San Francisco, people take it very seriously. People, I mean, we've only had a few hundred deaths. In, throughout the entire pandemic and um I, it is a small city but also you know if you don't wear a mask out you really get a sneer they're very cautious and um i kind of feel like that's good you know for a time being but i don't know if people are going to be able to step out of it now and become social again i think people got used to looking at their phones and sitting in their house all day long i just wonder what the whole social system of comedy is going to be like because what i do is so social you know and you're used to traveling and, and yeah, you know, i think you spend a lot of time in in the uk usually. yeah most of the year and and and, and abroad too you know my husband and i we love going to uh he's asleep right now but we love going to um amsterdam we love going to uh belgium and norway and sweden for work and i had 12 months of really great tour dates set up that you know a lot of people it happened to it it's really, it's not so much losing the dates, it's wondering if they ever return. Mm. If, Does your husband usually go with you on the tours then? If he can. He's in adult education, so he's getting his university degree right now from Metropolitan in London. And um, he also has a full-time job when he's there. He works in the comedy club, so if he can get away, he definitely does. It's much more fun to travel with him and see stuff with him. He looks really good fun from your Instagram posts. Like you always look like you're having a great time together. Yeah, we really enjoy traveling. And we were just in Brazil actually, which was lucky. And um, that trip, we weren't sure until the last minute if it was gonna happen and then it did. It was so exciting to be there. Just was to be away. Holiday? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he went to see his family and look after his mom a bit. Um, it had been a long time since he, it felt like a long time because of the pandemic since he'd seen them. And then I joined him in Brazil because he kind of needed a bit of support after that. And um, I say that like I was, you know, seeking a cause. We were in Rio in Speedos, <laughs> you know what I mean? Taking Zumba class on the beach. It was so much fun. And Rio is so beautiful. But it was strange being there because it was the height of their season, you know, in January. 
and it was crowded, but it wasn't ran the way it usually is. And it was mostly Brazilians. Almost, we didn't really hear or see any tourists around. And the hotels were only about half full. So in a way, it was ideal. Mm. And as a traveler, kind of, those are the things I'll miss about the pandemic, is, you know, staying at the Hilton on Ipanema for 70 pounds a night. And having constant access to the pools and, you know, a beach that's controllable, that's not insane. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of things about the pandemic on this, you know, parking and uh, all sorts of things. But I really do want to get back into, we were just in London in, 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 in uh, August, September, October, November, and it was, it's so quiet. And it really kills me to see London like that. I think London yeah. feels really different right now because it's it has so much influx from from mm. from tourists or different people, really. Yeah. Even people just that live on the suburbs, they're just not coming in. Yeah. It was like a ghost town when I went in August last year, yeah. when we could. Yeah. Uh, and it felt very strange. I don't think I've ever yeah. been to London where there wasn't anyone around. <laughs> so odd and the boarded up windows in the west end it looks like there's a war on or we're about to have some sort of apocalyptic attack and and, yeah. and the great thing about london that he and i both like he's from brazil and i'm from here is how safe we feel mm. even when it's packed yeah, yeah even yeah. when it's insane that's the beauty of london you can walk late at night by yourself it's fantastic yeah and um bristol's kind of the same people- here yeah, well, when the streets are empty like that, it feels creepy and yeah, it feels totally. oddly less safe. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. So last night, in preparation for uh, seeing you today, I did two things. I um, watched Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. and I um, tuned into your uh, your kind of comedy uh, night on Instagram. All right. Was that from the Leicester Comedy Festival? It was. Yeah. 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 How was that? Yeah. How is that different? How are you adjusting in this online world to from well, being live? Uh, I enjoyed it. And a friend of mine who's a very, um, who's a brilliant British comedian was watching him. She was gracious enough to watch, I think, the entire set with her, with her partner. And um, after, I'm glad I didn't know they were watching whilst I was doing the set because it would have made me a bit distracted. I really like her work a lot and his. But... Um, Afterwards, they said they really enjoyed it and it felt really fun to watch. And I'm sure it does. And I have watched comedy myself and I've enjoyed it. But as a performer, I just miss the energy of response. Mm. And when I'm yelling dick jokes into a computer for an hour, I feel crazy. But also, <laughs> er, but also I feel like, um, you know, I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. When, when I, and when I'm performing, I feel like I'm like it's not a seminar, it's not a lecture, it's a conversation, and it feels like the relationship to, between my audience and I, whether this is manufactured in my head just to get through it, I feel like it's it's an intimate experience, and I want that mm. back. So it's, I'm honored to do it for Leicester Comedy Festival. They were so great to produce the festival this year. They didn't have to do it. They went through all of it. They produced the whole thing. Amazing online, all the work, great. And the Zoom stuff is all comics have right now, so we'll take it. But what I prefer, I'd even prefer five masked people in a quiet bar sitting 20 feet apart with several plastic bowls of stale pretzels between them, (laughs) stifling a giggle behind cotton with their hands over their mouth. I prefer that to doing it in Mm. silence. I really would. And there is Zoom situations where you can see the audience while, you know, some audience members appear on screen, and that's great. That's definitely... 
Um, and I'm not complaining. It's it's work, and I'm happy to do it. Obviously, I do it. But you know, I really miss. Mm. You know, I managed I to miss- do a gig. I mean, I managed to do a gig last September with audiences all spaced out and they're all wearing masks. And actually, it was really mm-hmm. nice because you can't see their you can't see them smiling, but you can see them smiling through their eyes. You know, mm. and that was really nice. But what I really liked about your show last night was that image of is it barbara streisand made from pulses and you wouldn't get that you wouldn't get that if you were if if you were to on stage we wouldn't know that you have an image of barbara streisand made of a selection of different pulses and beans it's life size it's her height and um it's 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 sprayed top ramen that sprayed neon blue it's the superman album cover and you're right. It is. You wouldn't know that. And if, even if I told people in a show, they probably wouldn't believe I owned it. They'd want to see a photo because the radio is the radio station that I work for here when I'm here uh, wouldn't believe that it existed until I filmed it from my house and sent it to them. They just sounded so crazy to them. But it's just Barbara over my shoulder. Yeah. It's my angel. Maybe uh, that should be your new on. backdrop for the next tour. I think so. Yeah, yeah. If, if Barbara would be my backdrop, I'd pay her. Like, I just, I don't think I could afford her. But yeah. I also think what it does do, and I think what you're getting at maybe a little bit too, is um, there, there is a, a definite level of intimacy with the Zoom stuff out of our homes that there's no way you can put across in a live performance in a club. Because mm-hmm. they see us in our natural milieu, in our habitat, as animals, as creatures. And they see a different kind of us. I mean, I definitely do more narrative on Zoom comedy. I definitely tell longer stories in a longer set on Zoom because I feel like, why not? <laughs> Audience is just at home listening to a story anyway. And they don't feel, um, also for them, you know, they can enjoy it more in many ways. They can drink, they can stay home, they can drink as much as they want. It's in a way more affordable for them. And also, um, they don't feel the pressure of response because other people are responding. If you're in a room full of 400 people and everyone's laughing and you're not, it's distracting for you and intimidating but if you're at home and you're just listening it's a different kind of experience Mm. which is great so i think some people prefer it actually which is what i'm worried about (laughs) Uh, i think zoom maybe you two feel this too zoom might always be a part of what we do and maybe that's a good thing because we have greater access to a larger audience don't we in the end People that were struggling to see live performance before all of this, but but now things have changed and they've got loads of access to the, all the things that they missed out on before. So that is a good thing. And what yeah. would be brilliant if it came from you know after this, we had we had different lay, ways of engaging with work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I it think just it's... broadens the spectrum, doesn't it? It means that we have this also as well as live stuff. I mean, I don't think you should yeah. be worried about not being able to do live stuff. I think people are going to be so hungry for the for it when this is over, certainly in this country. Yeah, yeah. I have a live show in California on Saturday, the first one since I've done since last July. Uh, the audience is outdoors and space and all that. And we'll see how it goes. Outdoors can be tricky, mm. but we'll And I'm kind of excited about it. It's tomorrow night, actually. How and do you I to mention David Mills because he's been our guest before, okay. and, and my friend's got a barber shop um, in London called Barber Streisand, and he's and it's an amazing shop, and it's got a large front window, and she just opens it up to the whole street, and David Mills has done a stand-up show 
in COVID times, just uh, just in the shop on the shop right, floor, right. looking out into the street, right. and um, yeah, people people love it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, if it does institute instigate and then institute a new kind of performance, a new kind of reach people, a new way to reach people, especially like for your show, you can reach people in in other countries and stuff. You know, mm. that really want to. They can't make it. It's great. And in a way, it's kind of what the internet should kind of be, which is reaching out to people that don't have constant access to information or entertainment. I kind of like that this is kind of the origins of the World Wide Web, what's yeah. happening now with performance, in the way that we can articulate and reach, you know, articulate what we're doing in a different way and reach people that we would have never been able to before, you know. And maybe it'll stop all this ridiculous traveling for meetings jesus christ i have relatives who work for companies that we honestly the work travel is mostly pleasure mm. really and that really needs to diminish it really needs to stop a lot of that yeah you know the planet's so fucked up totally i mean here we've gotten loads of warnings locally about coyotes who are coming into town and eating chasing children and eating things wow well, the the climate in California is a disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah, you know that we need to. There needs to be a bit of self preservation. Maybe we'll learn that from this. What do they What do they suggest that you do if a coyote take a photo and send it to the police so they can try to? They, they, what I want. Some citizens are doing nothing because they don't want the coyotes killed. So that's the first consequences. But you're meant to take a snap and send it in so they can see it, see where it is. Send the address. We're just telling people, you know, don't don't go for walks in the hillside with your dog off the leash. Don't do that. And um, you know, just be careful and keep your eyes eyes and ears open. But also, the fires in California are insane, and that's part of the reason why the coyotes coming into town because their natural habitats are being burned down. And the and the bears, and all of it. It's crazy. We had we had a fire on Dartmoor <laughs> in winter. I was like, how on earth does that happen? <laughs> Insane. It's like oh. you couldn't even light a fire if you were camping. Yeah. Well, the snow, the snow, the blizzards in Texas are insane. Wow. Wow. And they're completely unprepared. People are dying. It's like you can't ignore this. That we have to, you know. And I think the COVID thing is great because it slowed us down yeah. and made people look at greed and what they actually needed and how they can live on less. And, and there's, there's a lot of good things about it. It will be interesting to see if that continues. So you mentioned um, you went to university here because I, I noticed you spend a lot of time in England and I wondered why that was. Do you, are you a bit of an Anglophile? Um, sure. I mean, I think in a way a lot of Americans are because we're aware of our origins, you know, but also there's a lot of work there for what I do. And when I went over to do a university degree, the complete one, um, I just wanted to travel, get away from my family. It was really fun. And so I went back a few years later for a film festival. It was showing a short film I was in. And um, whilst I was in London at the film festival, at the National Theatre, I just realized there was so much comedy mm. happening around me. And the comedy in the U.S. was sort of diminishing a bit. And I just started doing stand-up. And I just thought maybe this is the place to be. And then I, I did pretty well at the first few Edinburgh Fringes and it kind of snowballed. But I really just go where the work is. Mm. I'm a gypsy, like a lot of performers, you know. So. In the 90s, it, it, Channel 4 used to be, I used to think, you were on Channel 4, it seemed like you were on Channel 4 quite a lot in the 90s. Right. Yeah, yeah. And 
it felt like it was it was it was quite queer. There was a lot of queer stuff happening on the yeah, TV yeah. then, yeah, and yeah. it feels like weirdly it feels like there's less. I don't know. Do you feel that too? I, identified as queer, yes, and I think part of that. I'm glad you say that because I, I think part of that is is the assimilation into mainstream culture, which has its you know it's it's a few it has its good things and its drawbacks, and I think one of those drawbacks is that we're no longer a wild card we're no longer on the edge mm. and so the cameras shifted to a different sort of mm, a different sort of edge i guess is what i mean a sort of a, a different sort of society that needs more representation because mm. it had been I, you know from, from what peter Tetchell says it had been such a disaster in the uk for lgbt rights in the 70s and 80s that i think people were celebrating a bit of liberation in the 90s mm. and that celebration included the arts always does and I think we got what we wanted in a way. The marriage thing and the, what, what most people think of as equality occurred. So now, you know, the spotlight's over there. Yeah, so, it's a very I mean, heteronormative kind of view of uh, being queer, though, isn't it? That's kind of been produced and portrayed as, uh, you know, it's kind of with a spoonful of sugar. Uh, but I guess the edginess we can keep for ourselves still. I think so. And I, in a way, sometimes I feel I did a show last year in Cardiff, in Birmingham, sorry, same thing. And it was um, <laughs> not quite, <laughs> but. <laughs> but it was actually, I have a real, that's why, you know, having gone to university and, and, and staying there, I have, I have some good friends. But it was, a, I didn't know that it was a gay pride weekend thing. And on the Saturday, the end, Saturday night, I was going on at the end. And uh, there was just some resistance in the room. Anyway. Um, I was going to ask you about that because David Mills said that he sometimes finds queer audiences a little bit tough as a gay comedian. I, I was wondering so, if you felt the same thing. Well, yeah. I'm not so sure it's who it is in the audience. Mm. It might be, you know, a pack of heterosexuals. We have no idea. I don't know what their gender or their sexuality is really. From where I'm standing, I can barely see them. There's 400 people and there's the front row is practically dark. But what I do know is the expectations of that evening are set at a level that are meant to satisfy what they want to see and not what I want to do. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they think they know what a gay man looks like. And when that, that variation or that variance is presented, they don't know how to respond. So if our politics are not equitable, if I don't mirror them and tell them how great they are, they get a bit touchy. Mm. And the touchier they get, the more I poke, because I'm a stand-up comic, and the more I pluck at their sensitivities. So by the end of that evening, this woman came back, so she was fucking ready to kill me, and she had to be lifted and pulled out physically. From the and I was blamed for her mother's death the night before, and I was blamed for ruining her birthday, and I was that guy. Because now that we're mainstream, we can be blamed. Yeah. Not coddled or apologized for. So I don't know which I prefer. <laughs> what, I would like, what I would like is for that person and everyone else in that room that I sensed a bit of resistance from to just let me change their minds about the way gay men behave. Because mm. that's what the arts are meant to do. And as long as heterosexuals stay out of musical theater, we might have a chance. <laughs> buckle up it diminishes our options we'll see I mean 
Live performance is always a challenge, and I just don't want the audience to think they know what's coming next. And I think sometimes if they see a gay performer, they want us to talk about our hair extensions and how wonderful it is to be queer, and oh, look, we can adopt, and all this shit that makes them feel like, oh, we're all the same. But with live performance, you should be on the edge of your, edge of your chair. You should be. You know? Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant having you on the show so thank there's you so a, much for inviting me there's, really there's a lot of love in the throne room for you and can we talk a little bit about your my gay turnaround show in soho theater which apparently boys magazine gave you five stars oh right did they? <laughs> and did you oh. i've read on your website that you swam the english channel when you were three is that true I, yeah in my mind i know <laughs> um no, it was always this thing I wanted to do. It's what lured me to Britain first. When I saw, I saw it, I realized how wide it was. But no, I just, I, I, a friend of mine told me that about a relative of theirs when I was a kid. And I thought it sounded so grand and so preposterous. I'm like, that's got to be in my bio someday. So there it is. <laughs> but at the age of three, so obviously I'm not bragging about anything. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, brilliant. Uh, will you stay on board and do some Queens of Agony I'd be, I'd with be us? Honored. I'd be honoured. Great, because we have a few quandaries from our um, listeners that obviously need your wisdom, and I'm going to cl- include you in the old queen pantheon here. I'd love to be. <laughs> be lucky to be included. <laughs> so, dear old queens, uh, this one's got a title of Sex Drive. I'm 23 and my boyfriend is 54. In the beginning of our relationships for about six months, he seemed really horny all the time. Now we barely have sex and I sleep in the bedroom and he sleeps in the living room nowadays. What are the Queen's thoughts on this? I don't really know what, uh, I mean, isn't that every relationship at a certain point? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's awful awful to sleep in a living room. Well, unless you've got a sofa bed. Yeah. No, but I still, I still would hate it if I got up in the morning, made a cup of coffee, and my partner was lying on the sofa. Mm. I just wouldn't like it. Yeah, this the flat we stay in now is Francisco's studio, and it's difficult to walk through the room when your when your husband's still asleep, right, honey? <laughs> uh, how long can you remind me from that note how long they've been together when they're experiencing this did they say they did didn't say, say. um yeah. they just said it was all going really well for the first six months all oh, right but well, the, i'm assuming it's it's not been years <laughs> it depends on what you want too i mean sometimes people's sexual appetites match even as they diminish or increase yeah and then sometimes it sounds like this couple's don't match so it's a really important part of a relationship, I think. Obviously, yeah. to this person, there's enough for him to write a letter for her. Do they name their gender? Sorry, I didn't. Uh, I think it's a man. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it would be worth talking to his partner about and saying, look, this is not what I want. So it's so funny with these agony uh, or aging queen, aging queen uh, responsibility. People, you can find when you read that, people never talk to them. Department. No, exactly. It's. I mean, t- so many relationships are about communication, yeah. and and people just don't do it. It's like these guys are in separate rooms. It's like, why aren't you just talking about this? Open the door and say hi. Is this what you want? Yeah. And if they say yes, and you feel it's not, then they did really when we'd be out of a job. 
<laughs> well yes this is true um there's also quite a big age difference here not that that really matters but maybe that has something to do with it i don't know I, the thing i don't like about it is just the sleeping in the living room mm-hmm. yeah mm. but you know as you get older you will find it's always a surprise i think to people but i've heard a lot of people say my age i'm 58 and uh the libido it lessens it just it just does and you know it's coming and you ignore it and you think maybe you'll be different and then when you're not it's it's a disappointment and, and if you're both for two men it would be difficult to talk about wouldn't it because so much of you know for a guy so much of their ego when is do you think it, what they can do when do you think it did lessen for you we're pretty good and my husband and i we talk about it if it's a problem we do mm. But it definitely, obviously, is more when I was in my twenties, thirties. Yeah. You know, I was more conscious of. But it might have been it might have been psychological too, because you're out and about. I was out and about more, you know, and I felt probably the need to prove something. Mm. And now I don't feel that. I just don't feel that at all. I trust him, and I know that he loves me, and I just I don't feel like I'm on show, and I need a response or anything like that. You know. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. maybe there's a similar thing with uh, with this guy. Maybe the older guy has has kind of you know settled into his libido a little bit more, mm-hmm. and the twenty three year old obviously hasn't. So uh, maybe they need to have a conversation about that and how they fix that, uh, be it an open relationship or whatever. Um, the older guy, the one that's sleeping on the sofa. Um, yes, because I'm worried about his back. Yeah, I'd be worried about my back because I've got a bad back at the moment if I was sleeping on the sofa. In fact, I probably have a bad back because I fall asleep on the sofa. So... Anyway, I think I think Scott is right. Communication is key. Let's move on to the next question. I also think just let the younger one sleep on the sofa. Swap it around. Okay, mix it up. It sounds like they need an injection of different things to that relationship to spice it up yeah they need yeah definitely injection (laughs) i have a rule on my sofa that i'm not allowed on my sofa until eight o'clock in the evening i I know you're quite presbyterian about your uh where you sit during the day during lockdown aren't you Mm -hmm. uh whereas anything goes in my flat uh anyway dating profile descriptions what dating profile descriptions do you find off-putting when reading someone's profile i mean scott you're you're happily married are you still on any dating apps or or shagging apps i mean have you ever been on grinder no wasn't that wasn't a thing when i was still single gaydar do you remember gaydar it's so funny i forgot until you just said it (laughs) sorry i I was never um but i always wanted was interested in meeting people in person but i don't know what people i I assume that it's all it's all youth driven because it always was before well kind of but i think this guy you kind of have to sell yourself And, and i guess at the moment the only way to meet people even for a conversation is online so single people might be using these dating apps so he's he's put some quite interesting things that he doesn't like here uh so some examples i can come up with are along the lines of i'm very smart and expect the same sane and sorted i am not here to deal with your mental illness 
what happened to gays these days why is everyone so horrible and if, if you want me you have to be good with following up and texting me back Edit, I don't mean obvious things like mask for mask. I'm talking about statements that give away more about the negativity projected by that person than they think. Oh my God, good God. There's one that I've seen that I really hate, which is something along the lines of, I really hate it when people list here all the things that they hate. (laughs) And I just think that's that's another one of those, isn't it? It is, it's just kind of doing the same thing that they hate. (laughs) <laughs> read those out loud, I, I would assume if I were to read those on a on a screen that it, they were the, the truth was the opposite. When someone says that they're sane, I know that they're a sociopath. Uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when someone says they want their their calls or their messages answered, it means that they never do. They never do. Yep. There are ones that also say, um, "Sorry if I don't get back to you." Um, I just don't I don't look at this very often or something like that and I just really hate that as well that means they're on it every five minutes (laughs) (laughs) frantically scanning their screen looking for approval so maybe this guy just needs to flip it he's just like don't hate these things about these people just just read them in the opposite way assume the opposite is true yeah yeah you won't be tricked yeah okay Right. We're going through them tonight. We are. Well, we've got four, so, you know. Okay. Uh, This one's a little bit like the question you asked about um, live shows, in a way, uh, Scott. So, it's, have we seen the last of gay bathhouses? So, this is obviously from someone in America. So, I used to go to Russian and Turkish baths in New York City, which is now temporarily closed because of covid it's an old banya type bathhouse i have no idea what that is because we don't really have them over here um but on sunday mornings they only allowed men and that meant gay sex i'm not sure if there are any other gay bathhouses still available in new york city but is this the end of gay bathhouses as we knew it i'm trying to think if we've got any we i mean we have like saunas uh, over here in Bristol we uh, famously have the lads locker room which is um, in uh, Tommy's back garden <laughs> you know it's weird they, they shut all the bathhouses before I came out in San Francisco they shut them all in like 1980 mm. um, I don't even I didn't even know they existed in, in New York was that in preparation for your coming out? <laughs> was it? Did you did you send a note beforehand? I'm coming out. Oh, shut the bathhouses. Yeah, they just plastered a photo of me on the door <laughs> and said, "Beware all ye who enter over my over my mouth." No, I think um, I think all that scene was uh, I've only seen in film. Like when you watch that great when you watch videos of old videos of, of Bette Midler singing in bathhouses in New York with yeah. Barry Mandel playing the piano behind her, which I found on YouTube, which was incredible. Wow. I know, fantastic. Can you send um, us the link? And it looks so fun. It looks so fun because everyone's sitting around in towels and stuff in robes. It's exciting. But um, yeah, I don't. I thought that that had all gone away kind of decades ago. I didn't know it was still around. Well, I guess it's another question about. Uh, there's a big thing about the loss of queer spaces, um, mm-hmm. uh, certainly to because of COVID. A lot of the the bars and clubs, are, coffee houses, are closing down. 
Mm. And, and there's a massive thing about that. So it's not just about these bathhouses and mm-hmm. and sex. It's like these spaces are disappearing and they were they have been for quite a while because i think a lot of stuff has moved online and again we're more integrated into society but i was talking to some trans people the other day about yeah the bars and clubs which were open in like the early 90s in bristol that we used to go to and the massive scene that was there then which isn't there now and they were like where are those safe spaces for us now and they want those spaces so yeah, I guess it's another question about that. Is that ever going to come back? Well, it's that, it's that surprise response I get when people seem offended by the word ghetto. But I think ghettos were great for gays in San Francisco mm. and in New York and in L.A. Because, like you said, it provided them with a place where they could just be themselves. And I know that to some people who are young, maybe, or out of the community, the view, the vision or the image of a gay flag is either superfluous or banal or nebulous to them but when you're young and you when i was young and i walked into the castro and i saw gay flags along the way it was really reassuring to me to see them in someone's window or 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 or, or, you know in the wind kind of blowing and it was just it was just kind of great to be around people who you know allowed you yeah it's (laughs) i remember I think I had a difficulty with accepting my sexuality all through my 20s. And it wasn't until like my early 30s that I remember kind of being in a gay bar and realizing that everybody else in that bar was the same as me and actually Mm. feeling like this, I feel at home here. I don't have to pretend to be anything else. I'm not in danger here. You know, and I think there is that sense of safety in those queer spaces. And I hope, I hope that we don't lose them all because I think we do still need them, whether we're accepted in straight society or not. We still need a place for us. It's true. And and, and for all alternative people. I mean, I miss the kind of people that I used to meet in those places when I was going to them. You know, you mean like really groovy straight couples and, and great you know artists from out of town who wanted to hear some good music and didn't know where to go and chose a gay club because yeah. that seems to be the best place for good music and you know you'd run into people from school who, who i didn't care what their sexuality was they were just they were just about to dance yeah. and have fun and there was no um pressure expectation between men and women in those places because there's no creepy behavior you know that yeah. women seem to suffer from in bars and so they were having more fun and they were out for a good time it's just that was the impression that i got when i was out mm. it was just a laugh you yeah know? i missed that feeling a little bit yeah definitely um should we move on to the final question sure. which is quite a fun one yes. so dear old queens well, I'll, I'll take us all back a bit now so you're young in a bar or at a party with your friends, a song starts to play and you all immediately look at each other and start to dance. What's your song? What was that song? Oh, was it, is it meant to be a song that was contemporary at the time? I, I guess. I, know, I mean, I guess whatever song, what is the song that you hear if you're at a bar or were at a bar and you had to get up and dance to it? Oh, you know, YMCA, of course. But I think it was... <laughs> Because where I was living at the time here in San Francisco is probably Mamas and the Papas on uh, uh, anything anything upbeat that they would play or the Fifth Dimension stuff from my early early childhood. Because um, or the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, of course. That one's definitely. Yeah. 
uh, I mine is I, I love I feel love by Madonna Summer and uh, I just remember being seven years old and my parents having this old mono massive like valve radio and I think it, must, it was 1976 or something and being a young little gay boy and just hearing this song really loud and I just remember putting my head right in front of the the speaker and just being transported into hyperspace with Donna Summer singing I Feel Love and I've just loved it ever since um, but I think it changes I think it, you know I, I'm a real pop dance queen disco queen as well so there's it used to change whatever was in the charts at the time I would get up and dance to if I liked it yeah, yeah. But Tommy, what's your one song? Well, I was. I, can I have two? You can have as many as you like. <laughs> well, Unfinished Symphony by Massive Attack. I've been thinking about this song quite a lot because it, because they just talked about it on the radio this week because it's 30 years since that song came out. This song was when I was at university and I was in this house. It was funny. It was a Leicester. I was in college in Leicester and I'd be downstairs and I'd be putting on a tiny white t-shirt with a silver heart on and Rachel Hankey, my flatmate, was upstairs and she'd put on that record, the 12 inch, and we and it would be booming from the whole house and she'd be painting on eyebrows upstairs and putting on a sort of kilt and, and, and little stockings. Um, and that always takes me back to my student days. And then the other one was Groovers in the Heart by Delight. A classic. We used to listen to that at house parties when we were much, when we were a bit younger than that, even. That song is, when I lived in New York about 20 years ago, I used to go to New York a lot in the nineties for work. And I, I got, that song was everywhere. God, that song was everywhere. And it, I became a bit obsessed with that, with that group and with that album. Yeah. I mean, it was just played at every single party. Mm. Yeah. I spent but so much actually, time when I hear it now, I just feel like, I, I feel like I've, I've heard it too many times. Mm. Yeah, you need a bit of a break. <laughs> was there one song when you were at a university in Birmingham that used to get you up on the dance floor, Scott? You know, it, was, it was probably, it would have been 8045, so I'm sure it was... It was Madonna. It was probably like a virgin or something from that period. One of those, you know, maybe that's a bit later. But she she just started in 8045. And I remember, I think it was her. Who would it have been? Into the Groove still makes me get up on the dance floor, I have to say. Oh, maybe. I mean, I was probably still dancing to uh, Guilty Album that the Bee Gees produced with Barbara. That mm. would have been something I would have thought. That's maybe. amazing. Are you, uh, are you like a massive Barbara Streisand fan? I have every note she's ever recorded. Really? Including bootlegs, tapes, and recordings. Because I had a friend who worked at CBS in New York in the 70s. I used to dig tapes out of the garbage they throw away. Because they used to throw stuff away all the time. Wow. And I got spices of stuff that was never released. Weird stuff. Right. That you just don't expect. With like orchestras, which you do expect with her, but sort of this, this kind of angelic you know, um, backdrop verbally classical like, barbara is an amazing album it's great it's great yeah it's great and um the bell of 42nd street which was never released because it was such a failure on tv on live tv i had that wow some of it's tragic some of it's bad you know i have a very love hate thing with barbara I, 
I really admire her as for her business acumen. But um, the mirror has two faces. She really should apologize for it. She hasn't yet. So I need that from her. I need that apology. Right. So, you know. Has she ever done Groovies in the Heart? <laughs> Have you got that recording? <laughs> I know that she had a fling with Elvis, and I'm waiting for that book. Oh, There's wow. Far waiting for. Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, we yeah. all had a fling with Elvis. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, when they were playing in Vegas together, she did. She was singing for a while. So I don't see that. I think I had a fling with Shaken Stevens. <laughs> Elvis impersonator. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, the better, you know, as close as you can get, right? Whatever, whatever it takes. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I, we were, I remember being really busy in Birmingham that year at the drama department. They just threw a lot of work at us and we were rehearsing all the fucking time. And, and I had to take a dance class mm. with English students who couldn't get their hands to the ground or touch their toes. It was hilarious. So there's a lot to do. It was, it was a very demanding course, much more than my course back in Southern California. I had to catch up, really. I realized working with actresses in California, or, or, or budding actresses, that by the time they left university, their CD, I mean, their, um, their curriculum, their CV had, had more experience on it than an, than an experienced actress working 20 years on the stage in the U.S. Wow. That in, in just their theater training, these, these actors were expected to do so much. It was really a lot. Mm. Um, I wanted great. to ask Scott a, pers- a, a question. Bernie, you can cut this out if you want, because it's purely for my own personal use. Well, well, we'll ask Scott if he wants it kept in or not. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm a performer, but I perform usually material that I've developed and scripted and researched and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I improvise, but that's only when something goes wrong. Uh, but I have, you know, I do improvise. But over lockdown, I've been taking online improvisational classes. And it's a re- it's opened up a whole revelation to me about, like, the way that I work. And, and one thing that I've been thinking about a lot is that I censor myself quite a lot. And I feel like you're the kind of person that doesn't censor themselves. And I just wondered if you've made a conscious decision on how you do that or, or how you do that or what you feel about that. Well, are you watching Hotel Cecil on Netflix? Have you seen that series about that hotel in LA? No, but I will. No. It's brilliant. It's about a girl who disappeared, but it's, it's a documentary. And they read some of her own writing. Oh, is this the one where so much, so much crime has happened in that hotel? Right, yeah. I saw and they the- a British couple in it who stayed there unwittingly. But she says, and I think one of the reasons I'm interested in it is because she doesn't have a stopgap. She doesn't have a, a, a button to push, uh, which is probably the reason she gets in trouble. And it's probably the reason why I, uh, get, I, I put myself in danger on stage sometimes because I don't know... I don't have a filter. Have a, part of the reason I think it's, is because um, I'm, I'm a bit assertive, but also by nature. But I, when I started acting, I was started taking improv classes because in California, when I was in high school, it was huge here because Robin had made a huge plunge on TV and a lot of he, people he worked with. And he's a notorious improv player, Robin Williams. And a lot of his cohorts from here were still here and they started teaching improv classes. Wow. So I, I studied for like three years. I was with an improv group and all the way through university. I really like it. And um, that rule, that's maybe why I don't, because I had that, that was the first thing I did. But also with improv, it's always, a, you have to say to yourself, yes. Everything has to be yes. 
if you say the word no, if even the word no appears approaches you in your head, it stops the conversation, like you said. So it always has to be yes and, yes and, mm. yes and to everything. And it doesn't have to follow that train of thought. It can go off, it can divert. I'm very tangential too in my stand-up, so there's that. You know, Sometimes I don't get back to where I started, which is a problem, but it, it, the performance has to me, always has to be yes and, yes and. Like what's next? Well, okay, and then what? And, and then what? And, and then, you know. Mm. So when I'm writing, I always try to think of how to, how to extend this conversation instead of how to stop it. So I don't want to hush people up. And with, with hecklers in, in comedy clubs in London and in Britain, you really have to be that way. You mm. cannot take what they say to you personally because that will give them the upper hand of the win. And it's a huge thing in the UK to learn, a huge technique to learn is how to deal positively with people heckling you. Listen, I, I remember, when was it? that It wasn't about Maddie. It was some other little kid who disappeared. And I was making a joke about it at a club in central London. And this guy was by the bar was getting so aggressive with me, so aggressive about it. And fi- finally, he had, a, he had a full drink in his hand. And I said, is that drink for me? And he handed it to me across the audience. And that settled the, that settled the problem. That was it. The fight was over. You know, anything you can do to sort of make the, the field equal for everybody to fight on. Mm. But you don't want to take anything personally. So I tried to let that go into my stand-up too, you know. Yeah. Like nothing, everything's fair game, I think. And show no fear. Well, I mean, the minute, you, the minute in Britain especially, if they sense that you're putting it on the audience just a little bit, you can do whatever you want. You can have horns or tail, they don't care. But if they sense that you're kind of putting it on, building a wall, or doing something that's artificial, they will leap on you like hyenas on fresh meat. Rightfully so. <laughs> so I just don't, I, there's no reason to be afraid. Mm. I'm not faking it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and also a couple of club owners have told me in the past, and they were right, if you want to do stuff, especially me, try to keep it personal, because then people can't really get offended if it's your own story. There's nothing to get offended about. They may not like it, that's fine, but they can't go after you, you know, because it's your personal experience. Yeah, great. Wise words from Scott Capuro. I think on that note... Aging queen who's been on the circuit for 27 years. What? That old queen. Uh, uh, <laughs> I started when I was three, as you mentioned earlier. Namaste. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> thank, thank you. you thank you so much for being on the show, Scott. It's been yeah, lovely yeah. to talk to you. Um, you. This is going out on Sunday. So, um, you know, you have a listen if you want. Obviously, if you're too busy doing yoga and cocktails, then, you know. <laughs> it's great to talk with you both. Thank you very much for including me. One of the things that you said in your stand-up last night, which I wrote on a post-it note and I have on my desk, is any cunt can tell a joke. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> and I really like that. <laughs> funny you said that because my friend who was watching with her boyfriend mentioned that. <laughs> but she's oh, that's what she <laughs> That's on the two that's for the tombstone and a bunch of old queens can do a podcast so (laughs) on that note uh, Scott please say goodbye to our lovely audience goodbye you guys thank you so much have a great uh, great evening enjoy your enjoy your cocktails we'll we'll have a a few tipples as yet I think Um, Tommy please say goodbye Goodbye, mate. Goodbye. Thank, Thank you, you, Scott. You've been brilliant. Yeah, you're amazing. Thank you, Scott. And we will catch you next time on What That Old Queen.
have been listening to What That Old Queen, written and presented by Tom Marshman and Bernie Hodges. The show was produced by Bernie Hodges for Hodge Podcasting in 2021. If you have a question for the old queens, or you'd like to be a guest, or you want to sponsor a show and give us lots of money, you can email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.